0: Another podcast Sponsored by ntes.com My name is Tom Savage uh, We are finally At the World Cup Proper I would say uh, Ireland have been In a sort of an Extended Warm up campaign I would say um, No disrespect to Tonga um, Or Romania there um, But I-, I think Certainly looking at the, the way that those Games played out Not just During the game itself But in the build up these were all shadow games they were sparring um, they were again i would say warm-up games where there was world cup points at stake this is the beginning of the world cup for ireland um, from here it is knockout rugby in my opinion we have south africa on saturday night we have scotland in two weeks time and then hopefully ireland will be into um a knockout series proper but make no mistake this is a knockout series right now, um, and it's far from guaranteed that Ireland actually make the quarter final. I know it's an assumption that I'm making and, and have made in the Wally Ratings there, but um, these upcoming two weeks will define this cycle, I would say, for the most part. Um, getting to the, quarter- the, the knockout series is gonna be one thing, but these upcoming two games are incredibly difficult, and that's going to be the challenge for this Irish group um, to go where no Irish team has ever gone before, and that is beyond the quarterfinal stage, and that's going to be something that's honestly, it's it's going to be so exciting to watch because um, it, it feels that you know in the last two years Ireland have been building and building and building, and look, and and, and to be fair, we have been here before in uh, 2019, uh, pre-pandemic, before all that stuff happened, we were coming in in a great, you know, streak of form into 2019. Um, We had beaten the All Blacks. We had made it into a habit almost, but then couldn't get it done on the big day. And I suppose this World Cup has echoes of the same thing. Although, you know, I think Ireland have certainly been better this year. This is going to be something else. And I think my big, I suppose my big concept with this Irish team is that I am holding them to the standard of a team who can and should win this World Cup especially when you look at how other teams how their injury problems seem to be going Antoine DuPont of course suffered an injury that could potentially keep him out for the rest of the World Cup but like I mean and look uh, Johan Diesel or Diesel the Namibian captain I think it was didn't mean to you know injure DuPont in that way but it is a shame that you know a great at a game in a home World Cup might miss the the crucial parts of the of, of the World Cup itself because of a donkey of a tackle in you know the second half of a game where France were already winning by fifty odd points. You know that's that that's frustrating, but that's actually that it's the game. But when you look at that's happening with France, when you look at the injuries that the Springboks have shipped, um, there's a an avenue there opening up for Ireland to have a real crack at this World Cup, not just get past the quarterfinal, which is obviously to make a semi-final, but to get to the final and to win it. If I didn't think this team were capable of, of winning it, I wouldn't be talking about it. We aren't dark horses anymore. We're a team who people not necessarily expect to make the final, given our record in the World Cup that's been a kind of a sore point for, for Irish rugby fans and the Irish rugby bubble, I think, in this country. It's that we we are the number one ranked team in the world coming into this tournament. We're the Grand Slam champions. That comes with a weight of expectation um, because this isn't our first rodeo. I've spoken before the World Cup about how Ireland were genuine dark horses in 2007, but nothing came of it. In 2011 After our Grand Slam win, first one In how many 50 odd years Dark horses again Beat Australia Massive game in the pools Lost to Wales In the quarter final 2015 Same thing again We were kind of Amongst the favourites That year Lost in the quarter final To Argentina Disappointingly After A etheric victory Over France In the pools That destroyed Our knockout Our knockout, um, our, our non, our knockout uh, Potency I would say then you look at 2019, came in as one of the favourites, as in, not amongst them, one of the favourites. Again, a disappointing exit, disappointing tournament, full stop. And that brings us to this year, where we are the favourite coming in. I mean, bookies odds are bookies odds, that's an ad you're looking at there to put for you to put money on. Ireland, I would say, are the consensus favourites coming into this World Cup. We're the number one ranked team in the world, Grand Slam champions, beat New Zealand away from home the year before in a three-game series. We've beaten every team that we could look to possibly beat in this World Cup in the last 12 months alone. That is the mark of favourites. So I judge Ireland based on those metrics. And this is the beginning of our path to doing that, to lifting the Ellis Trophy. Um, I've spoken before about how how that would change the perception of rugby in this country where, look, people who hate rugby will continue to hate rugby regardless of what Ireland do or don't do in this World Cup. I'm not talking about those people. Those people are replaceable and they're a dying breed. I'm talking about the people who are to come, the kids who are eight or nine years of age who might potentially look at Ireland, go on a path to winning a World Cup in the next couple of weeks who then decide that hey rugby's pretty fucking cool let me go do that let me I want to go to I want to go to a training is there a rugby club nearby all of that feeds in to change how we're perceived like even to talk about perception you look at Ireland in this World Cup and you look at New Zealand and you look at England and you look at South Africa you look at the power that that gold Webb Ellis trophy on the sleeve does it kind of It gives you that sort of confidence and that swagger that men who wore that jersey before you won that trophy. So you can as well. And we can't even talk about what it's like to even see a semi-final in this tournament. Scotland can. We can't. Which is just bizarre when you think about it. But that's how it's fallen for Ireland. But this team are not beholden to the past. They're not thinking about the weight of history they're thinking about the next game and that is the Springboks, a massive physical challenge I'll get to the teams in a minute there's been a lot of nonsense this week Um, do you know what I won't say a lot of nonsense and not counter it with the fact that there's a lot of sense has been spoken as well by the likes of Andrew Trimble by the likes of Bernard Jackman um, by a lot of guys on the RT podcast as well to counter just a soft rubbish coming from the likes of Keith Wood and uh, Matt Williams who aren't totally entitled to their opinion. But in my opinion, their opinion of that notorious 7-1 split for me is not it. Um, I, I, I just... Again, like, I'm, a, I'm a fan of South African rugby. I'm a fan of the culture there. Um, I have a lot of followers and subscribers who are from South Africa. I love the buzz that they have brought to the URC. I love the passion that they have for the game. Um, a lot of friends I have in rugby are South African and are just great people to deal with. They love their rugby. They love their country. And sure, yeah, look, <laughs> when they've got a few beers on, <laughs> they can talk shit about rugby all you want. Same as everybody else, I suppose. So I I, I come from a place of really admiring South African rugby. Well, what they do and how they... Bring their country together when it comes to the Springboks. Different communities, different people who can come through and and you know enjoy something together because of the Springboks and the pressure and the responsibility that that is on each and one of every one of those players. And as a result, they play bigger, I think, because to them it means more. So when I see a lot of shit being spoken, and this is not just in the last couple of weeks, this has been over the last four or five years about how this south african style of rugby and you typically get it from you know the likes of matt williams but you get a lot of from a lot of irish journalists as well who you know took a turn for you know a few different reasons you know for on on south african style rugby it's always said in a sort of a dismissive sort of like disgusted tone um So, this game coming up, Ireland versus South Africa, you know, it's been coming for a while. And my excitement for it has been building for a while. There's a lot of interest because South African rugby is, you know, looking at Irish rugby in a new way now that they never really had before. And that is as peers, where typically they would, you know, think about England and they would think about France and they would think about Australia and they'd think about New Zealand. New Zealand, the the biggest, obviously. But we're in that conversation now as well. And with that comes the responsibility of playing them like for like. Not them playing a plucky upstart, but playing a a team that they view as being equals. That's where we are coming in here. Now, I will say this. They do think we're soft. They do think they can get at us and rattle us in a way that maybe they wouldn't think about a few other teams. But it's up to us to change that perception. And when I see that nonsense being spoken about 7-1 and uh, their decision to go with seven forwards and one back on the bench it just it seems like it's the biggest fuss over nothing that is then being used to generate engagement and to generate metrics and social media for off the ball and for virgin media Um, I just feel it's a really sleazy way to t- to speak about this game in a way that they're talking about that it's against the spirit of rugby for me for them to be promoting that shit the way that they have been you want to talk about being against the spirit of rugby guys the fucking call is coming from inside the house so this is the sort of thing that it it, it really does bug me because it limits people's imagination and their scope for thinking about this game in a different way than maybe the way that they came up with right 7-1 for me means nothing to me It's a different way for them to configure their bench that plays into their strengths as a team. No different than if some team decided to go with four forwards and four backs. Right? To me, there's no difference. Um, So, when I see some of the way that it's been spoken about by the Irish media, for me, that then reflects badly on Irish rugby as a whole, of which I kind of would class myself as a member of. So when I see guys then like Andrew Trimble and Bernard Jackman speaking nothing but sense on this scoffing at the idea this fucking bullshit up their own whole idea that oh it's against the spirit of rugby bully boy South Africans to me I just can't identify with that at all that's not the the game I know where you just front up and you tackle whatever the the opposition puts your way and this crying and whinging and moaning about it Honestly, how lads allow themselves to be perceived that way in public, I just don't. I just don't get it. Um, but it, for me, it only just adds a layer of intrigue to this. Um, when South Africa went seven-one, I think I was speaking with Owen um, on a podcast on this platform, and then on Provincial State of Mind as well about what Ireland might possibly do in reaction to it. Now, this was before. The seven-one split was announced. Everybody presumed that that South Africa would go with a six-two. That's that's been one of their calling cards over the last four years or more. So, like for me, like going going to a six-two in return wouldn't necessarily be a massive overreaction um, by Ireland because you could see the utility of it, you know. Um, but then when I think it was Jeff Neville on the of the Lucid on Provincial State of Mind uh, said the other day that they Ireland had never picked a 6-2 split under Farrell, straight away, I was just like, there's not a chance they're going to do that here then. Because I, I I had presumed they'd done a 6-2 at some point, just as an assumption, but they hadn't. I assumed, and I made an ass out of you and me. Will I edit that out? No, I'm going to li- leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. I'm I'm corny. I'm going to own it. So, when you look at how Ireland were going to approach this game, it was going to be how Farrell has approached the last two or three years which is to double down on what's worked for you right that's what Ireland have done and what Andy Farrell has done since Ireland turned the corner in 2021 during that kind of um that summer tour that was in the Aviva Stadium remember when they, they could only leave like 5,000 people into the stadium where Ireland they, they just narrowly beat Japan and then beat the USA beat the brakes off them and then that November Ireland's performance levels really really improved um since then, Andy Farrell has just doubled down on what's worked and anything that hasn't fit exactly into what has worked has been discarded. So if a certain combination of players work, you stick with that. And if this is the type of player who's worked here, we'll bring in somebody like him or from the same environment or from the same unit. So you're building and building and building. So if that was, a, and, and like that, that has been the case for Andy Farrell, he's not going to change now. Ahead of the biggest game of the cycle. He's not going to all of a sudden. React differently. Because that has never been what they've done. So. With that. Like. Ireland were always going to go 5-3. That good St. George man. uh, Jack Conan. uh, Was not fit for this. So that left a decision on the bench. Between. Essentially. Well. Not essentially. Because you could. like They have started Tiger Burn at 6. In this very World Cup. So they could have gone With. Henderson and Ryan in the second row Tyburn at six Peter Romani at seven with uh, we'll say Joe McCarthy and Vander Fleer on the bench or Baird and Vander Fleer on the bench but they've kind of changed around the configuration so the big choice came was it going to be um, McCarthy Henderson or Baird one of the one of them was going to miss out turns out it's Joe McCarthy and Ryan Baird has got the, the call on the bench because I think I'm going to go through the Irish team just for tradition's sake but I think everybody knew what it was going to be the starting 15 certainly um, so w- with that um, Ireland did not react to the 7-1 I hope that South African rugby and Razzie Rasmus and Jacques Ninebar, who by the way has gotten away scot-free with all this talk about like morally wrong things <laughs> it's always Razzie it's always Razzie I wonder why Jacques Nienabar never gets that as of late uh, I'll figure it out at some stage anyway when you look at how that has kind of played out I hope they didn't think that we're going to make the Irish coaching staff react because during the week um, I kind of saw a lot of this stuff about how whoa Irish rugby is rattled to the core by 7-1 basically looking at you know Matt Williams you know f- his face getting you know pinker and more purple and more pixelated somehow in that uh, off the ball interview and um somehow then attaching all of that fluster and you know crying in Big Tesco energy and applying it to the entirety of, of, of Irish rugby which I suppose is always an, an easy and convenient and, and fun thing to do I think for South African rugby you look at that and go I hope they don't think that a few pundits you know losing the rag and, and getting a bit emotional um, losing their composure I hope they don't think that that's going to be mirrored in the Irish camp. Because it wasn't, certainly. It didn't change anything for the Irish team. It really didn't. And, like, I mean, the the, the few people I've spoken to were just like, it, it didn't change anything. Like, because to me, genuinely, there's not that much of a difference between a 6-2 split and a 7-1 split. Like, there isn't really. Okay? Like... Yeah, look, there's a bit more jeopardy in the backs. There's a bit more coverage in the forwards, obviously. But <laughs> in the same way that if you pick up like a bad knock at, at 10, we'll say, and your backline configuration has a lot of guys who are maybe hitters rather than creative players, straight away, if you don't have a, a, a guy who can even come close to the role set at 10 on the bench, straight away you're fucked then, if you're, if you're running with a 6-2. So... Like, the jeopardy is always there when you do these kind of imbalanced benches. You always get a bonus in return, but it comes with a cost. And I suppose for South Africa, like they've Tilted, a bit like in Football Manager. Remember when, and I'm going to go into a Football Manager analogy here again. It's a video game. And you can adjust your transfer budget in that game. So if you want to have more money to spend, you can move it upwards. But when you do that, the wages that you can spend go down. And if you want more wages to spend, you can push them up but then your transfer budget goes down that's the kind of the same concept when i think of these uh lopsided bench alignments that you obviously get something that you want in return but it's going to cost you something else on the other side there is a risk associated with that there's a cost that comes with it and that's a cost that africa are very willing to pay so you know with that i think like ireland understood that well not much has changed here really Because you're always going to get a physical contest against South Africa. More than physical. It's always going to be incredibly draining for you over the course of the full 80 minutes. Given that you would know they're going to play a 6-2 split anyway. You're coming into into the game with that in mind. So if they're bringing on another forward. Like to an extent like there's not that much of a difference. So like this idea that it's this big scary fella's minds are blown over it. Like anybody with any understanding of the game is is not losing their mind over this like it has its bonuses as we saw against the, the All Blacks but to be fair they were down to what 14 men for the majority of that game so bringing on seven forwards was obviously going to be you know far more um, impactful for the Springboks in that particular game as a result now that said would I be shocked if it turned out even Etzibeth wasn't fully fit for this game he pulled out beforehand and RG name and started instead Willie LaRue comes onto the bench for a traditional six two Not at all. I would not be shocked at all if that happened but we'll have to wait and see. Let's get to the springbok team first and foremost anyway because at least there we have some guys that we don't necessarily know off by heart. Um, in the back three they have Damien Willemsa, Kurtley Arensa, and uh, Cheslin Colby. so that's a massively dangerous transition back back three there really like you look at the um the pace, the explosivity. The, the, the kind of the, the, the strike playmaker role of of, of Damian Willemsa there as well that's a very dangerous back three on the first phase of transition which we understand that we will be playing against in this game and our counter-transition game in theory straight up it's a bad matchup right there with the amount of long upfield kicking that we do where we want to keep that ball in play Kicking that ball directly to the likes of Kurt Liorenza and Cheslin Colby and Damien But you know, when you know the likes of Jesse Creel assisting there as well and, and Manny Libock, straight away, danger right there. That again is a cost that we're going to have to try and pay here, where we will have to kick long and with a lot of volume. But with that, we have to stop them on the first phase of transition. Our transition defence, I think, is the best in the world. We have to show it here. We will really have to be on these guys, um, putting them into the places that we want, putting them under pressure physically ourselves, but crucially, not allowing them into the middle of the fucking field. (laughs) We cannot have that at all. Um, That's an incredibly dangerous back 3, albeit, I would say, with a distinct vulnerability to a variety of different kicking strategies, which I'll get to in a minute. In midfield, they have Jesse Creel and Damien Delande. Obviously, we know Damien Delande very, very well. Uh, he was at Munster there for two seasons. Um, incredibly physical, bruising defender. Uh, a better passer, short-range passer than I think he's ever given given credit for. Um, kicking never seemed to work out for him at Munster, but I've seen him do. <laughs> I've seen him do that. You know, relatively successfully as um, with the Springboks in the last couple of games. Um, but again, a massive defender, unbelievable breakdown guy as well on both sides of the ball. Very, very physical. A key part of what they'll be looking to do off the line out themselves, um, offensively and defensively. So massive player for them still. Jesse Creel doesn't have the, I suppose, the the built up body of work that uh, Lucano Am does. Um, But Jesse Creel for me, although he's not as much of a lockdown defender as what Lucano Am is, I think at the moment he's a better option than Lacan certainly the Lacan am I've seen this season so Jesse Creel wouldn't be as intelligent a defender I would say even though he's capable of making really good reads he's also just an incredible athlete as well guy's built like fucking G.I. Joe um, you look at his um, his impact in defence he hits you you, you, you stay hit <laughs> you look at his um, his uh, pace his ability to finish um, creatively, I wouldn't say he's the best mid- to long-range passer, but the system that they play in doesn't necessarily need him to be that guy uh, anyway. But honestly, I think looking at, at that midfield pairing, I think they've really suited each other. Um, and they haven't, at, for the moment anyway, um, seem to have you know lost anything with Luka away from this squad. Uh, Jesse Creel, I think, has done really well since he's come in. But obviously... There'll be a big, big challenge for him in this game uh, tomorrow uh, or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, at halfback, they've got Manny Libock and Faf de Klerk. Faf de Klerk, really good player, alternate goal kicker for them, which they may need. And that's something that you know is still a bit of a hole in Manny Libock's game, his pressure kicking. Um, the more pressure Ireland can put on Manny Libock, the better. He is untested at this level. We've seen, because I, I I've covered Manny Libock a bit more than I think some other people have because he has been a, a big part of the Stormers team that Munster played twice uh, in really important games during the run-in uh, of the URC there earlier this year. Um, I found that he is a really agile runner. He is a guy who will beat you in space. He's got a good passing range, and he's actually like he's actually a really sharp passer of the ball as well. Like, you ask him to make a pass, he can probably make it more often than not. He's a really good crossfield kicker, um, but like he's basically all of these things in an offensive capacity. I've also seen him get charged down in crucial periods. I've seen him miss big kicks at goal that would have won his team the game or put him into a into a position where the opposition must react in a way that, that they can exploit. I've seen him with tactical kicks make big mistakes there. I've seen him get run over in defense. Um, I've seen him make errors under the high ball. Like he's a guy who gives you a lot of good, but his off moments have also been very, very costly. And you might say that like that 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 comes with young tens. But not all young 10s have that feast or famine. And I've I've seen Manny Libok have these games where he's looked like he should be next or near an international squad. And in some games where he's just like, yeah, fuck, that guy's really good. Like, I thought he actually played quite well against Scotland because he had those big moments. But I think for me, his ability phase for phase is still developing. I'm not sure if he's a a strategist there in the same level that, you know, maybe you could say, obviously not. Johnny Sexton level Because you know, the, the, the age difference alone there Is is you know not, not even worth talking about But I feel sometimes that he is A little bit more impulsive That when the space is there He'll go for it Which might not, nec- not, might not necessarily be the right call In the moment but When it works out he's got the skill to make it work And I think he really could do With a guy like Lucanio Am Outside him weirdly enough to give him that extra bit of guidance. And for me in this game, I think that, you know, the combination of Willemsa and and Libok, in theory, is really good. Um, But at the same time, I just get the feeling that sometimes that they could make each other worse as well. That if they're both having a really good game, they will look like world beaters. But if one is having a bad game, I think he might drag the other down because a lot of what they're going to be expected to do because... South Africa have been kind of transitioning to a more on-ball style of rugby. And um, that is, as we've seen in Munster, it can be a a painful thing to do because if things start to go wrong, things can cascade fairly quickly. Like it's got a very high ceiling, but also a low floor. And I think that's kind of the big thing for your playmakers there is that sometimes you have to take the conservative option that you might not be able to take if you're playing a counter-transition game where you're maybe playing with less phases, but there's more scope to recover, if that makes sense. Um, Libok, if you give him a space to kick into where he can find Arendsa or Colby or Willemsa, he will do it. And he will, he will you know he will execute that kick and do it really, really well. For Ireland in this game, we have to put him into a spot where he's got to start thinking his way three or four phases ahead because of the quality of our defense. And I think if we can do that, we can start to really limit limit this uh, Springbok side and put them under serious pressure um, and to a stage where we can kick them the ball and basically look to try to do what they've done to other teams, to an extent, off-ball them and dominate them at the breakdown. Which I think is a tempting thing for for Ireland this game, that we have really good breakdown threats. South Africa are playing a lot more phases now than they used to. Um, They're going to have to resource those phases and with that comes an opportunity for this Irish side who can play a lot of different ways, I think. Um, in the front row, where the big boys play, we have Stephen Kitchoff, Bongi Monambi and Franz Malherba. Oh, by the way, uh, Kobus Reinach is the one specialist back on the bench. He is a scrum half by trade, but he can also play in either wing spot and at fullback if needs be. At a very, very like emergency, he could probably do fullback. Um, but I wouldn't say that's something that they'll be looking to do, unless they have literally no other option. Um, Quagga Smith is also capable of covering on the wing as well. Um, he is a forward by trade necessarily, but again, if I told you that he was like five foot nine and around ninety one kg and didn't tell you who it was, you might say I was talking about a, a a winger. So like he covers a lot of the same roles. It's he's really is a hybrid player. Um. So yeah. Um on the bench oh no sorry the, the front row I mean, but Stephen Kitchop Bongi Monambi and Franz Malherba straight away because of the injury to Malcolm Marks they've had to make a change to their starting front row and because of the fact that they have only two specialist hookers in the squad they have to start with Bongi and Monambi and I think that with Dion Fury on the bench as well who has played a fair bit at Hooker by the way relatively recently he was playing with um, was it Leon in france where he had he used to play back row and hooker quite a bit a bit like that guy who used to play for wasps a few years ago um can't remember his name now but uh he used to kind of go between hooker and back row fairly you know fairly fluidly fury used to do that as well so he has relatively recent experience playing in the in the in the, the in at hooker but not really recently if that makes sense um so they have him on the bench and he'll be coming on with Oxen Che and Trevor Nyakane. Um, they're all roughly around the same size and uh, Oxen Che is a far more aggressive scrummager than Stephen Kitchoff and the thing is if he started with Stephen Kitchoff there's a bit of a height disparity there that could really fuck Fury up. So like, they really want to try and mind him as much as possible but that gives their starting front row a little bit of an imbalance there and height wise which they typically haven't done um, but I wouldn't expect them to be losing too much over it, you know, because again, I think you can have a taller, loose head and a shorter hooker, that's okay. When you've got a taller hooker, that's when things can get a little bit hairy. But um, that's a fairly settled and experienced starting uh, front row for the Springboks. Um, in the back five, they've Ibn Frankelmaster, Franco Mostert, Peter Steph Datoy, uh, Sia Khaleesi, captains aside, and Jasper Visa, which is a very similar build to what they had in um, Diviva Stadium in November 2022. Um, Khaleesi has come back and he's playing really really well his recovery from an injury is just freakish Captain America stuff like I think Khaleesi is one of the best players in the world not just because of athletically what he can do his intelligence as a player um, his inspirational qualities as well um, his ability you know dealing with referees um, but Make no mistake, he's a fantastic rugby player as well. Um, massive for, for South Africa to have Khaleesi available for this game. Um, that back five is, again, fairly imposing. Jasper Visa, big direct ball carrier as well. Wins collisions. They will want to use him to hurt and take Johnny Sexton out of the game. And I mean that in the in the rugby sense where they're not going to be headhunting him. But they'll want to test him out. He's 38 years of age. They're going to run some traffic at him and see where he's at. Um, and it'll be the biggest physical challenge he'll face so far. This year, I would say, outside of the France game. So um, that's a fairly imposing starting pack on the bench. They have seven replacements, seven forward replacements? My, my. Anyway, Dion Fury, Oxen Che, Trevor Nyakani, Oxen Che, by the way, um, his matchup with Finley Um, I, I hope there's not going to be too much scrums but the time Oxen Che comes on the field because he is a, just a devastatingly effective scrummager. My God. Um, Now, if he's coming on with Dion Fury, that might limit his scope as a scrummager. But, yeah, imposing. Um, They're back... One, two, three, four. They have another four forwards to talk about on the bench. Jean Klain, RG Sneemen, Marco van Staden, and uh, Quagga Smith. And looking at, you know, obviously Klain and Sneemen coming on gives them a lot of power, where they just have to get a big 55... 60 minutes, we'll say. Maybe. I I can see it being between 50 and 60 Um, out of Mostert and um, Etzibeth. And then you're just replacing that power like for like... And you might think even Etzebeth has got big, bigger muscles than Jean Clane. But the power that you get from Jean Clane in the scrum and in the maul and the set piece, even, I would say, over the ball at the breakdown, is every bit as strong as even Etzibeth. And like, uh, RG Seaman gives them a unique physical and offensive threat that I think is is just, sometimes it defies classification as to just how good a player R.G. snayman is. Um, and then on the bench with them, they've got Van Staden, who I think is also cover at hooker, um, but who is your typical heavy jackal, small forward. He is really powerful in the carry. Um, he is uh, defensively a really good high work rate guy. Um, gives you a lot of tackle output Really good ball You know A guy over the ball At the breakdown And the exact same At uh, Quaka Smith as well Again Strong in the wide areas Really good breakdown guy Defensively High work rate Can lose collisions But still He stays in there He sticks in there He's really effective Um, At just coming back And maybe getting a second Or a third involvement In the play And the first two involvements Could have been him Getting fucking smacked Around the place the third could be him getting a breakdown he's a really really good a uh, breakdown turnover he really is a really good player um and like that back five that they can bring on or you know that like that i suppose all seven really there's a bit of a weakness at hooker i would say none of these guys are malcolm marks they're they're both um their names are spelled and pronounced differently but you look at the the power they can bring on that's a problem for ireland and it'll have to be managed again but Ireland knew that coming into the game regardless that it was, it was 6-2 I'd say more or less the same as 7-1 as I was saying so um, it's going to be a challenge um, physically um, from a breakdown perspective they're going to be coming after us in the first half I would say with a stop and slow where if you go throw your mind back to the European Cup exit to the Sharks that Munster had this year down in Durban um, they really fucked us up at the breakdown where we were looking for quick ball and we were looking for a quick strike at the ruck where we would go in, we'd win it, the ball would be presented and then it's gone. We needed to stick in there a bit more. We were needed to be a bit longer and a bit. we need to expend a bit more energy at the breakdown. They weren't going to give it to us that way so they hit us hard a lot of weight a lot of power and they'll do that in the first half here they'll they'll go after breakdown penalties as well but their big thing will be slow down Ireland's ruck speed when we get into their half of the field that's where they're going to go really hard at that stop and slow now there is breakdown penalties to be had there they've been really good at managing their offside penalties where they give you a bit of space behind the ruck that's grand um, but they will be coming hard at the breakdown there are defensive breakdown penalties there for us if we can start hitting them with enough pace that we start getting guys a little bit indi- ill-disciplined likes of Kitchoff Malherba um, we can get these guys off their feet Mostert it's guys like that we can drag them off their feet a small bit like we will have to kick at these guys there's no escaping that in this game um, I'll just run quickly through the Irish team you know who the starting 15 is right Keenan Hansen Lowe you know this midfield Gary Ringrose, Bundy Aki. Halfback, Sexton, Gibson Park. Front row, Porter, Kelleher, Furlong. Byrne, Ryan, O'Maney, Vanderfier, Doris in the back five. But you knew that, right? On the bench, Dan Sheehan, back from injury, which is massive, massive game-changer of a player to have on for the last 20 minutes. Um, he just offers you, if you're stuck, that's the guy you want coming on hooker. If you need something out of the game, you want a Dan Sheehan coming on. Um Dave Kilcoyne, Finley Beelam, um coming on to replace Porter and Furlong. I can see Porter doing 70 minutes plus. Um Furlong, we will get a big 50-60 minutes out of him. Beelum will come on for him fairly, fairly quickly. Um Henderson and Baird are on the bench. I spoke earlier that there was a possible decision to be made there between whoa, did he knock the mic into my face? Um there's a decision to be made between Henderson and Baird. Um or sorry, Baird and McCarthy. They went with Baird mainly because I think he's just a much more seasoned player so like he's a guy who he's been involved in a lot of big games for Leinster he's played in bigger games for Ireland as well McCarthy is still very young and very raw so while I could see a case where he might come where he, where he could come into this game and play really well and might suit what we want to do you have to think about the player first and the, the, the man first like is he ready for the game of this scale maybe not so involved in match day or whatever else but Ryan Baird gets the gets the decision there with Henderson who I feel needs a big one off the bench personally you look at that configuration of the forwards there's a possible there's a well Ryan Baird it depends on who he's coming on for I have a feeling it'll be and um, that they'll look for O'Manny to do one of those big 60 minute performances that he that he brings against these elite teams um, with Henderson coming on then for, we'll say, Ryan, I would say. I think they look to try and get Byrne, to get him the, the full 80. And I think look for, again, a big 60, 65 minutes out of James Ryan. Like, speaking specifically in the forwards, the emotional, the mental toll that they're going to need to expend here is going to be every bit as big as the physical toll. Um, this South African team will look to exhaust you mentally physically sometimes the same emotionally you've got to go to uh, a fairly fairly dark place I would say when you come onto this field against this South African team we've seen Etz in these big games you know imposing himself bullying players Um, we can't get bullied in this game none of our back five none of our forwards certainly not They can't take a backward step. They've actually got to get out there first and start putting shots in on these guys and just let them know that this is not South Africa taking on a kind of a smaller team from the Northern Hemisphere. That they're taking on guys who want to win the World Cup and to, I suppose, to take on that sort of, that persona that this is who we are in this game and play our game, but hyper-aggressive, just constant aggression in their face, nothing fucking cheap no free lunches and I think you look at at James Ryan in particular I want to see a big performance from him not just hitting the rucks like he's been doing with that venom that pace but to bring the sort of mental assault that you need in this game where you're putting yourself over and on top of the opposition getting one over on Ibn Estibet putting him on his ass if you can same with Mostert dominating them that's how you kind of make a big statement in in any game, but in this game in particular, that big physical challenge. Our scrum is going to be hugely important. Like, on the one hand, look, it's going to be, like, in theory, you could say it's going to be a bad matchup, that if Malherbe gets on top of Porter, that we could be in a world of trouble there. But again, I like that, that loose head and hooker combination of Kelleher and Porter. I think from a physical standpoint, scrummaging standpoint, they give a really unified... Wall that, that Malherb I think will not necessarily struggle to get into but on, on paper it looks like it could be a decent matchup we don't need to dominate these guys winning penalties we just need to hold our own ball and hold theirs we just don't go backwards <laughs> don't go backwards that's the big I'm pointing to that in, in in the meeting before the game as scrum coach don't go backwards but we don't necessarily have to go forwards either right we just have to be stable Make the scrum a non-event. That'll be a, a good result from this game. The line-out, we need to hit the line-out. We need a 90% return from the line-out. We cannot have a 60-70% um, a game. You go back to the All Blacks who I spoke about in the, the Green Eye for this game. Um, They were, um on top of kicking way less in, in, in that game and twicking them than what they did in Auckland in the Rugby Championship a few months before, well, a month or so before, their lineup went from 90% completion in Auckland to sub-70%, I think it was, in Twickenham. That won't work against the uh, the Springboks. That's not going to work for me, brother. Um, we need a return of 90% plus, ideally, in this game to keep up the pressure on them. And um, like the forwards again, it's a massive responsibility. Um But yeah, that's why they play this game for games like this. Um in the uh, replacement backline Big decisions made here Connor Murray on the bench Veteran presence You know Coming in off the bench That's exactly what you want um, Robbie Henshaw And Jack Crowley Wearing the number 22 jersey It's So cool for me To see Jack Crowley In a game of this scale Because Jack Crowley Is from Innishannon, Right Jack Crowley went to school In Bandon He knows where Mr Hayden's gym is In Bandon I used to go to school in Bandon I am from 20 minutes over the road from innishannon that's where I'm from I'm from in between Bandon and Dunmanway so to see a guy from innishannon the place I've driven through and got stuck in traffic in countless times it's really brilliant for me to see that for, for this young man who has been a fellow who you'd hear about from when he was a young fella I heard of Guy before and this was him when he was playing Munster Senior Cup watch out for that Jack Crowley fella he'll play for Ireland and you hear that the odd time about fellas and it's rarely true but when you watch Jack Crowley he had that aura about him and he had that ability to just all of a sudden he was constantly making these big plays in the game and it's almost like the big moments were drawn to him the season he's had the year he's had um, from this time last year until now it's just massive you know the talent was, was, was there I think he just needed the moment and the opportunity I think he was always going to get it at Munster this past season to the point where even when Carberry was the main guy at 10 for the initial half, first half of the season they were starting Crowley at 12 and he is a guy who when he broke through uh, and had that brilliant under 20 season the pandemic hit right and straight away fellas were going why is he not starting for Munster because he was just out of school he had very little in the way of AIL experience. There was no games for him to play in that year or so spell right after the under twenty were, uh, Six Nations, where he was outstanding. Like he was st- like the standout player that was cut short that year. Ireland would have won a Grand Slam. Him, I'm almost sure of it. Um, that year, and he would have had that under his belt. But COVID kind of shut down everything for a lot of young players from that generation, where they just didn't get the opportunities that. Like they would have otherwise gotten, where they would have got those, because there would have been A games, there would have been all this stuff that would have happened where they get to make, you know, state their case and advance up the ladder. That couldn't happen for him because, one, there was no games to play. But then when the games came back, everything was hyper important because, like, the future of the game was at stake, right? During COVID, like, there was so, like, it came so close to shuttering the game for a while because you know again like the foundations are not that deep when it comes to professional rugby worldwide um, so every game became super important so there wasn't really a you know a whole load of minutes to go around for a guy who obviously they knew was talented they could see that in training but there wasn't a whole load of easy minutes around because like, COVID was so rampant and games were so bubbled it was impossible he overcame that right to still play a big part in in, in European games Um, and then you know had his breakout season last year where look things didn't end like the season before last things didn't end the season really well Ben Healy was the number two guy Jack Crowley had a he had an opportunity of sorts in South Africa that didn't go well for him and he never really played again that season but you look at him last year where he just grew and grew and grew and grew with every opportunity and then there was that Emerging Ireland tour where initially it seemed that that was built to kind of make a point about Kieran Frawley. But when Frawley missed it due to injury and Jack Crowley stepped up and had just a fantastic performance across those three games and then did the same off the bench where he was like a real improvement in that A game in the November series and then made his test debut played well in from the start cold against Australia did really well when uh, he got the ball passed to him like that's the sort of of build for a player that you're thinking, well, look, that could be in a movie, but then you look at the bit where he gets to the end of the season where he win, you know, scores the winning drop goal against Leinster, and then the, the, a week later he's landing the crucial conversion from the sideline, which basically wins the game for Munster because Stormers have to score a try. Then you're thinking, okay, look, that could be in a movie, but we're kind of getting into the schmaltzy kind of you know Vaseline over the screen type of you know nostalgia bait stuff. But that's what he did. So to go from there whenever he's played for Ireland in the warm ups he has been like he has looked like he's meant to be there and like it's no disrespect to to Ross Byrne I think like I've said before and like and this isn't damning a fellow with faint praise a really good system 10 who is perfect for what Leinster do and could easily you know slot in for Ireland as well I think they've gone for the guy with the higher ceiling like Ross Byrne is experienced but he wouldn't we'll say have the depth of experience of a Conor Murray so you could, you know, you could make a, a, a kind of a an experience call over Murray over Casey, for example, right? But with Byrne, you can't really do the same because th- there's experience there, yeah, but we're not talking about elite level stuff. Crowley has shown this year that he doesn't shrink away from big moments. That's not to say Ross Byrne does, but we know Crowley does not because we've seen him step up in big moments and produce. He might be needed in the second minute in this game to come in and run this game for Ireland I would back him to do that more than I would Ross Byrne I don't think Ross Byrne would necessarily leave anybody down but I think that to play against this South African blitz you need physicality, you need to have a level of athleticism that Crowley has and that for me Ross Byrne does not so just it's such a a lot of pride to see a guy from where I'm from get into this team for such a big game and I'm delighted for him, delighted for his family. What an honour it must be for them. And um, that brings us down to the game itself. Now, I've, I've sh- given some examples in the green eye. I'm not going to go over them again, but I think there's real opportunity to catch South Africa in the second phase of a line-out strike if we hit the middle of the field. I think that there's a number of different ways you can break them open there. When it comes to the actual um, like breaking open their blitz defence... I know Ronan Agara and others have spoken this this week about not trying to go around them, but you kind of have to go through them. I'm not going to disagree there. Um, I think that Ireland's ability to throw an inside pass is going to be very, very important here against a defence that tries to pincer you. Avoid the pincer on the inside. Um, I think with the way that we're looping our forwards in tighter on the ruck, that's going to be very, very important here because what the Springboks like to do is push out from the rock with their big heavy forwards. They've turned their super heavyweight front row into a strength of theirs by the way that they structure their outside defence. So their outside defence, in theory, right, prevents you from going wide or else baits you into throwing the ball, a skip pass into the wide channels that they'll just, they'll scramble and then, you know, fuck you up. Um, and then you try to work your way back inside where you get smashed by, you know, Etz de Beth, smashed by Kitchoff, smashed by Malherba because you're running into the area where they are taking up all the space my theory and this is that you avoid that space by basically punishing them for being there we will need to be accurate at the breakdown if we get slowed up on slow ball we need to kick that away we don't need to start playing stupid rugby kick and kick along and make them make them attack us um It'll be risky, of course, because you can just visualise Kurt orenza, you know, skipping beyond somebody and all of a sudden they're up down the field. Up down the field. They're off down the field. Um, but that's a risk we have to take because we need to drain their forwards. And it's not that their forwards aren't fit. It's just that we don't want them demonstrating their fitness by shooting out of the line with big, huge line speed and just, you know, fucking us up in collisions. We want to show how fit they are by doing shuttle runs up and on the field and to do that multiple times and see where they're at then afterwards they'll change their forwards so we'll just keep doing it and like they showed in Auckland that you can catch them on the transition um, if they kick the ball back to you loosely you can hurt them on that transition and and like that back three and Libok is 100% capable of giving you something useful if you kick to them and prevent them from attacking you directly but you have to prevent them from, from getting past you and Bianca in that first phase. Um on our kicking plays, we need to kick early and often. I think we need to kick mostly off uh ten. Uh when we when you kick off nine, they're really good at escorting you and uh keep you know getting you out of the game. The all blacks of the game that I watched uh, repeatedly for this uh, article and, and podcast, they did so well by kicking diagonally long off ten. And in a slightly contestable range they weren't able to escort and basically what it did was it put Arensa and or it was actually Mapimpi in that game who's good and he's good under the uh, like under the high ball but it put Arensa uh, basically it put them under big pressure in the in the backfield because they were just isolated it was just one on one in the air and Willemsa coughed up a ton of knock-ons. Well, not a ton, but he coughed up a knock-on. Willie Larue looked under pressure there as well. And because their wingers are expected to blitz so high with uh, with uh, Jesse Creel, um, they will then have to cover back in on the inside. So there's big pressure on the two far, like the two defenders that they have in the backfield, especially if they're defending in and around the halfway. So if you can kick diagonally there, you will have we'll say Arensa coming backwards. Williams are coming forwards and if you can get the likes of Mac Hansen and Gary Ringrose or Hugo Hugo Keenan pressurizing them on the run where it's not a kind of a vertical kick coming down but where it's coming in at that angle there's real pressure you could put on them in the air because there's mismatches to be had there and if we can just continue to do that we take away a lot of the strength of their blitz defense so in essence like we need to kick like a lot like for every four or five passes we need, one, we need a kick so if we're coming out of this game with 30 kicks I think that'll be more than enough I think we, we, like that's the sort of thing we need to do to just to keep them out at, at arm's reach because look if we get in there and start, start trying to slug it out with these guys <laughs> like in a phone box like we will get fucked up that's not our game we don't need to play that game they want us to play that game they, they want us nice and close so they can fuck us up in the body We need to keep our distance. We need to not never engage them on their terms. Only on our terms. And just bring a level of fucking rootlessness and hardness to this game where Yeah, we're gonna fuck you up the breakdown. We're gonna run, we're gonna roll the dice there. We have to. Right? We have to play with pace. We have to play with big kicking volume. We need to put them under pressure from a cardio perspective like they're like they're big men right Peter Steff de Toy this week was talking about oh they don't they, they, they think we're not fit of course they're fit they're incredibly fit but physics is physics we need to attack the guys the bigger fellas the heavier fellas who aren't as quick or as mobile on the turn we need to start going after those guys fairly early and often get them into positions where they're not comfortable but we are that's for us that's transition defense and that's transition attack in, in post phase transition. And then attacking off the set piece. Our lineup line has to be solid. No like nothing else will do. If it's not, we'll lose. Um we can get away with our breakdown not being super accurate. We can get away with our scrum even getting, you know, you know, pushed inwards. We 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 can deal with that. But our lineup line has to work and we have to, with counter transition, start burning them out early and often. And again, there's big pressure on our kickers. Lowe, Sexton, Hansen, Keenan. Like, we need these guys to be kicking really, really accurately. And in field, we need a high ball and play time, right? They play on ball, but they don't play a high ball and ball play. We need to get this up to 38, 39, 40 minutes ball of play. They want to get it off the field? Grand. Let them. But we need our line to be accurate. And that's going to be the big part of it. Um, I'm really, really excited. About this game. It's kind of the World Cup is kind of really kicking into gear for us now. It's must win. I don't buy this idea of oh well look, France, DePont is injured. Win every fucking game from here on out. That's what we need to do. And I look at this game against the Springboks. This is our opportunity now to announce to everybody that we're here to win this World Cup. End of story. We're not here to get beyond the quarterfinals and sure aren't. We. We're fucking lucky to be here. Asher, ah, sure, isn't it grand. That's not who we are anymore. We're the number one ranked team in the world. We're the Grand Slam champions. We're sick to death of winning fucking Grand Slams. We've done that. All the World Cups that we've had before, that was half a novelty. We've won Six Nations. We've won Grand Slams. We've won series in New Zealand. Now we want a World Cup. We want the World Cup badly. So we have to go out there and show that. We have to go out there and really attack this game with a sort of mentality, physicality, rootlessness and if we can bring that for 80 minutes let him have 14 forwards in the bench they wouldn't handle it we've got to bring that mentality to us now Peter Manny's is going to be hugely important in this game from a sort of a, a, an emotional mentality touched on type of guy he was the fellow who was often criticised in the past about oh he's there for his angry face you won't be long ...missing the likes of Peter Romani... ...when he's not playing anymore... ...specifically in games like this... ...where you need a fella who's gonna go... ...and he will break himself... ...to break them... ...that's what we need in this game... ...that sort of... ...mentality... I keep ...like mentality is hugely important here... ...this isn't just about playing a rugby game... ...if we just play rugby here we'll lose... ...right... ...we have to play... ...we have to fight... ...right... ...we play rugby but we fucking fight as well... ...and if we can bring that level of aggression... For the 18 minutes here I think we'll win this game Because that will allow us To play our rugby And at the moment At our best I think our rugby Is better than the spring box But we have to get The right to play that And you won't play it Without fighting Without bringing That fucking energy Without bringing That, like, that, that aggression In their face 24-7 No backward steps No backing off anything Into fucking everything If they start getting Into a scrap On the sideline Into everything Not allowing ourselves To be pushed around Not allowing allowing ourselves To be bullied If we can do that For 80 minutes We let our rugby Do the talking But we've got to let our fighting Do the fucking talking First as well So I'm hugely excited For that alone I'll be back with a, a, a Live stream Directly after this game Tomorrow night I'll also be doing some updates in the TRK Secret Club and the odd update on Twitter at halftime and full-time as well. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon raconte de mensongers et de la qui venait grossir à la source le vent des mille tourments Il déclenche à la guerre à l'aube du temps ailleurs Il a soufflé les récoltes, les champs ne laissant Derrière lui qu'une terre aride et des ventres vides et Les morts célestes sans ceux-ci l'oppressent est la m'a du malin qui ne recue devant rien Comme si la fin n'existait pas Pas de coupable, pas de tête à couper Insaisissable, seul ton esprit est de taille à lutter Et gagner la bataille